Rising up back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, okay. Welcome to Dragon's Cast, a podcast brought to you by Dak Pakalons, who believe they've cracked why all the polls got the election results so wrong. <laughs> but first, we discuss Drexel basketball. With me today, I have Marshall Fleming. Yo, yo. Uh, Nick and Trieri. What up, son? Bill Martin. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and I am your host, Leon Mikado. Now, this is episode two of the 2016-2017 season. Uh, and with that, let's get started. Uh, so, a lot to talk about. We had four games from our uh, since our last recording. And I think a lot of we had some predictions. I think Bill and Nick, you guys had predicted two and two. Me and Marshall were a little more pessimistic. We went with one and three, so you guys uh, won that round. So we are, we are two and two, and the last two games have been pretty uh, pretty hopeful, pretty exciting to watch. So uh, so one of the one of the new highlights, I think, is uh, a player that we didn't even know was going to be on the team last time we recorded, John Moran. So uh, I well, so what was the background on him again, Bill? Yeah, well, basically, um, he was a uh, he was a manager um, on Richmond um, originally, and then he uh, decided to walk on, um, and then uh, he made the team, played a couple games for him, but he actually was, uh, I think, at one point he got hurt, so um, he added a, an additional graduate year, and he was sitting on the couch at home. And uh, basically decided he wanted to, wanted to play, and he got eligible. I don't know exactly how he ended up at Drexel if he was already. The information I'm getting from is pretty much from the City of Basketball Love uh, article. So, but yeah, so he was pretty much sitting on the couch. He he played at Richmond. He did play a little. Yeah, he walked on at Richmond. He didn't play a ton, but he did get some minutes. Like he's already pretty much exceeded his minutes here that he played at Richmond. But he did play a little. So for us, was he is he like a full scholarship? I think he's just a walk-on. I was doing like a scholarship count the other day. I think we're pretty much full. Um, so I think he's just a graduate walk-on. But he's given solid minutes. I mean, the kid's coming in, uh, giving uh, Kirk Lee a little bit of a, a little bit of a break uh, since we have no other point guard on the roster until Major Kennedy comes back and, and can get some minutes. So I think he's been providing... Yeah, At least a solid been, backup for a guy who... He seems a little out of control sometimes when he's bringing the ball up really fast. But other than that, if he's a walk-on, I think that's the most minutes I've ever seen any walk-on play at Drexel ever and actually contribute. So. Yeah, it's probably some of the most significant Including, minutes. Stevenson a walk-on? I don't even... No, Stevenson wasn't a walk-on. He disappeared <laughs> he to look learned. like a walk-on. But he was not a walk-on. <laughs> uh, I'll try to find that article from, uh, you said... The City of Basketball, right? City of Basketball was yeah, I'll a website. Put that yeah. in the show it was notes. a pretty good article talking about um, his his story. So with that, is that John Moran, Carrie Johnson, and Kirkley? Those are the three recruits we've seen so far that Spiker has brought in. Or am I... those are Spiker ones? Yeah, the other the only other two kids were um, is Sam Green, who has our Spiker recruits. Our Spiker recruits are averaging how many points a game, and he picked them up six months ago. Yeah, I mean it's pretty impressive that he got those guys, especially Kirkley and and uh, Janssen, so late. I mean Janssen's from Iceland, so I don't know who else was even looking at that kid. But um, Kirkley, I mean, played on. I mean, he was a pretty well-known kid. I think the only reason he was still available is because he's five eight. He's pretty much proving right now that he's a 
pretty much a superstar at this point for us as a freshman. Yeah, watching Kirk Lee and I can't. What is he averaging? He's averaging eighteen points now. No, he's he was averaging. I think he was averaging fifteen a game or something. Really? Wow, that's for a freshman point guard to jump in that quickly and contribute, which we needed because Kennedy still seems to be not even dressed for the games. So I don't know how bad his injury is. I heard. I heard at the end of November he might be back. But so far, Kirk Lee has been, I would say, uh, playing even better than Terrell Allen was at this point last year. Even though maybe Terrell had a little more swagger to him. Although I don't know. I mean, I I agree. I agree with you that he's playing better than Terrell Allen right now. I mean, I would have thought that Terrell Allen was going to be a huge loss for us, and this kid just come in and been absolutely unbelievable. You have to figure the offense plays a little bit into that too. I mean. Terrell Allen in a spiker offense would probably be putting up more points than he put up under Bruiser's offense uh, last season. Yeah, that's a great point, Marshall. I think you're dead right on that. And actually, to that point, uh, I got to give uh, Adam Herman a shout out for this stat. But the last time Drexel scored at least 86 points uh, in regulation at home was 2010. And it happened only 11 times under Bruiser Flint the entire time he was at Drexel. And we've already had one game hitting 86 at home. And how many games have we had in general where we've been above 70s? And I bet you um, a, a lot of those games under Bruiser were overtime games. No, it, it was regulation points at home. Oh, they were regulation. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like I said, shout out to Adam Herman for that little tweet nugget that I saw a couple days ago. I mean, we are moving, we are moving the ball around like something I've never seen before. And, you know, we've all been watching Drexel, Bill, Leon, and I. You know, we've been watching it for 15 years. I've never seen us pass as well. Yeah, I mean, the ball's been moving around. Now, Marshall has been 15 years. No, this is my 10-year mark. Week. No, but it's a, it's definitely been moving around. Uh, the ball's been moving great. The offense is much more fluid. We get a lot more open looks and easy buckets. Like, how many dunks have we had these last couple of games? I mean, usually it would be like maybe oh Rodney's God, dunking yeah. on a guy, but... The fast breaks, the drives and the dishes from, like, Kirk Lee and Janssen's been do, able to do that, too. And actually, Rodney's been even passing off first to some of the other big men for uh, for dunks. It's just, it, it's exciting basketball to watch. It's definitely a lot of fun, yeah. You know, and I can't, like, the excitement level um, of our team and the enthusiasm. Like, I, I don't think, you know, I know it was the first game, it was the first home game. and We were playing Hartford, not exactly the most inspiring matchup. Um, we're coming off a rough year, um, but we had a great crowd, which surprised me. I think it surprised all you guys. The Dak Pack was great, uh, fully all the way to the top, full of people. And like the mm-hmm. attitude of the team um, seemed to be very positive, very enthusiastic. There was one point in the Friday game where – Looked like we almost got a technical foul. I think John Moran hit a three on like the end of a 12-0 run, and we went up double digits, and the whole team like ran out on the court and Spiker had to apologize to the ref. Like I've never seen that level of excitement. I don't know what is happening. You know, I- I'm not sure what's happening in the practices, but I really like the the kind of camaraderie and team and the uh, enthusiasm. It's kind of bleeding through the fans and the administration. Um, you know, it, it's definitely a big-time change over the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Also, I don't think I've ever seen a Drexel team that drew as many charges as we have so far this year. Rodney would be slamming 
down a dunk on one side, and in that same play, I think one, I think it was the home game, he made it back playing defense and drew a charge at, at the, after the, the very next play, which was a not typical of a Drexel basketball game uh, to draw a charge. Mm-hmm. I think uh, this uh, spiker offense is a little more willing to, you know, I think if Bruiser saw your big man taking a charge, he would probably be very upset. He'd be probably very angry about it. But another spiker offense almost seems to be encouraged more. Not that I want to be a team full of floppers, but it's you taking advantage of the system of, I guess, NCAA basketball, which kind of, I think, I don't think that's something to be frowned upon. No, it's taking advantage of a rule. You know, it's good defense in a way. Good defense to get yourself in position for a charge. You know, in Bruiser's world, taking a charge is, is you're not being tough enough, maybe. I don't know. But I think part of it is if you just tried to take a charge and didn't get it successfully, then you were just on the ground not playing defense. And the guy would easily score. So we just didn't have a lot of, I mean, I agree with you guys fully that we just didn't have a lot of guys taking charges intentionally. Or you were Daryl McCoy standing your ground and a guy runs into you, bounces off, and somehow it's a foul on Daryl. Yeah, when you're a human brick wall, um, it's a problem. <laughs> Trying to take a charge. Like, if Daryl tried to take a charge, that would have been looked, just looked absolutely ridiculous. Uh, there's another thing. I don't know if you guys listened to the um, post-game of the, the um, North Texas. Uh, I heard Spiker uh, give an interview, and it was very different than your usual Bruiser interviews. You know, if you guys have been listening to over the years, I'm sure you've heard all the Bruiser interviews, but listen to Spiker, and he, he mentioned how he played the scouting report to perfection against uh, North Texas. I can't remember the last time I heard Bruiser ever mention a scouting report ever. Like, so it was, you know, we came in with a game plan, a very specific plan, uh, and we executed it. Um, and, you know, he mentioned us doing that, and it was very evident in the results. And I, I just thought that was another – you know, welcome change in terms of actually having a strategy um, instead of kind of just relying on talent alone. How much, to, I wonder how much scouting report and uh, planning you needed to beat that North Texas team, though. They didn't look very good. I don't know if they were just missing their shots in the first half, but we were able to build a solid 20-point lead in that first half and pretty much just cruise through the entire second half. I think they lost to Texas Tech just uh, 43-70 to 70 or something. I don't know much about the North Texas team as far as their caliber of play, but it's still interesting that even if it's a, a team that you're supposed to beat, he's doing that level of research and actually coming up with a game plan for a game like that, whereas I guess in our Bruiser era, you would have probably just showed up, uh, scored about 60 points, and hoped they scored less. Mm-hmm. I think we were technically the underdog at that North Texas game. Oh, wow, really? I mean, they're, they're in Conference USA... We won six games last year. I mean, I don't know if anyone thinks we're going to win any games this year based on based on what we did last year. And we lost Terrell Allen. So, I mean, I don't even know if we win that game this year if Bruiser's coaching. I mean, I just think uh, the offense is completely different. And, and that is great, Nick, that he's mentioned the scouting report. Like, I, Bruiser's always would be, you know, we weren't tough enough or, you know, we didn't play defense well enough. It was never. It was, yeah, it was like a, it was a night and day. Yeah. Like analysis from a you know fan perspective consuming material it was like whoa he's, he's 
talking about the strategic element. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows? That team doesn't seem that good. But we just got done. We literally beat off Hartford Friday night. Saturday, they're flying to Texas. Sunday at 2 o'clock, they're playing a game, and we're beating the shit out of this team in the Conference USA. I mean, I, we cruised. There wasn't even a Drexel-style, like, give up the lead in the second half and make it real tight and have to win by five. And we just, you know, we traded bucket for bucket in the second half. We got easy buckets when we needed them. When the shots aren't always falling, you need to get easy buckets. Uh, we got a nice couple Rodney Williams soft serve specials. Um, you know, on his way to 20 points, he did great. You know, I see that's a topic we're going to probably att- get to. But, uh, you know, the, the win looks great. Hopefully we can keep it going on, on Wednesday. We also shot, like, our field goal percentage in that game was pretty insane for a Drexel team that I think I've ever seen, 54%. I don't know when's the last time we shot that high a percentage. And a lot of that has to do with our inside shots and easy layups and dunks. dunks. It really adds up. Even boss score, for crying out loud. So, you, you know, in boss scoring, uh, it's going to be a good game. How about my man, Kerry Johansson, with the... I don't, I don't, threes all over the place. Kerry Johansson? I know, he got Nordic all of a sudden. That was, yeah, that was not even Nordic. I don't know yeah. what that was. It's Janssen. Yeah. Is that how it's pronounced? <laughs> oh, Janssen? Janssen. Kerry Didn't you Johansson? go to Iceland? You should be, should be, Johansson? you should be fully immersed in this culture. You would think after visiting Iceland and, uh, pretty much almost pretty, practically wearing the, ba- uh, the headband backwards already. Nick, <laughs> the biggest Kerry Janssen fan would know his name by heart, but. I guess that's too much to ask, but no, he's he had too much to ask. He's a, he had a great game too. I know it was uh, he almost had. I, I feel like I didn't see him uh, miss too many shots from the outside, and I guess he struck five for seven from three point range. That's pretty. He was killing it. Yeah, that's insane for a Drexel basket. Uh, it's the first time I feel like we have as many people that can shoot. Even though coming into the season, I feel like I didn't think we had anybody that would actually be a scorer. We I think that was one of our biggest concerns. Especially with the first few ga- uh the exhibition game, we saw Overton take 30 shots and miss. So we were concerned that he was going to be our go-to scorer, with seeing the confidence he had, at least from the coaching staff, to go and take that shot. But uh, he's kind of faded in the last uh, North Texas game and uh, even the Hartford game. You didn't see him uh, out there as much. You didn't see him well, take North- as many shots. North Texas, he was in foul trouble, which was probably best for the team at the time because... Um, Janssen came in and just started burying jumpers. Meanwhile, Overton, like, turned the ball over five times in about 12 minutes. The kid is just not off to a, <laughs> off to a good start. Yeah, he has, he had, I'm looking at the box score. He had five turnovers. Yeah, he had five turnovers. He played, uh, 12 minutes. He had five turnovers, which led the team, Overton, in 12 minutes. Yeah. But at least he shot 50%. He barely shot the ball, but yeah, he did have <laughs> three. He had three. two shots, and he made one, and it was a, it was a pretty-looking three. It was, just, it was the first time I saw that uh, three-pointer uh, go in, I feel like, all year, and it was and it looked nice. It looked like his shot doesn't look bad. It doesn't seem to fall, yeah. unfortunately, for him. I think he also had an air ball five-foot fadeaway. <laughs> he did. It was badly, <laughs> badly airballed. You step-back fadeaway. Step-back fadeaway in, like, in the lane. It missed by about oh, two feet. Man. I mean, I think the kid's I think better Bill than he's... told me later, like one of your uh, playground shots. <laughs> <laughs> I believe I said I could have done that. <laughs> the, the air ball part? The fadeaway air ball fadeaway? in the game, yeah. The fadeaway air ball. The fadeaway yeah. air ball. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I think the kid's better than he's playing. I don't know if he's going to turn it around. I don't know if it's all mental at this point. I mean, we've seen some players like uh, Kenny Tribbett, who's like very talented practice type player, and you could tell he had some skills, but then he just got in the game and couldn't play. I don't know if that's going to be Overton or not. I mean, coming into the season, I thought our, we were going to be very dependent on him scoring, but I didn't really foresee Kirk Lee being this good and Janssen being able to contribute this many points early. So I mean, we've got scoring from them. We don't really need to depend on Overton as much as I thought we probably would. Even more so than Janssen's shooting. He seems like pretty crafty with the ball in his hand, too. He had, if I recall, I think it was against North Texas, he had like a uh, little like scoop shot under the basket uh, that I was amazed that he was even able to get it off. Yeah, no, I think he's more than just a shooter. I mean, he he can he can do a number of things. He's been one of the guys too. Like I think Nick was saying before, that he drives in and he can dish it off underneath, and we've got some dunks out of it. Yeah, the things that impressed me the most about Janssen don't show up in the box score. Uh, you know, he's he's very court aware. Um, he he's not. He lets the game come to him. Uh, you know, he only shot seven shots, made five of them. That's always good, right? Um, you know, he, he seems like he's totally engaged as a team player. Um, and at, one, at one point in the Hartford game, Overton was down on one side of the basket, and Johnson ran the whole way across to, like, help him up. You know, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I know it doesn't really mean anything in terms of the, the numbers, but um, – He's he's he is his number one goal is the team, and I, I like I really like that about him. So the last two games we scored over eighty points against potentially opponents that we should have beaten, but maybe Bruiser would have found a way to lose it. Who knows? But the two games prior to that, where we had much I guess tougher opponents with Rutgers and Monmouth, we weren't able to even crack seventy. And our opponents scored 80, over 80, I think, in both those games. Oh, 78 in the Monmouth game. So we also showed a, shot a much lower percentage in those first two games than we did uh, in the uh, last two games. Now, is that something a team finding more of a groove, or do you guys think it had to do more? There's always struggle with tougher opponents. I think it was mostly the that Monmouth is a better team and Rutgers has had more size than us. That, that farm boy that used to play at Wilmington that's now in Rutgers, uh, he he just had a game that seems like it was out of his norm, um, but I mean he is he is a big guy. So I think we will struggle with teams that have significantly more size than us. Uh, and then Monmouth is a really really good team. So I, I think we're somewhere in the middle. We'll we'll beat the teams like the uh, like the North Texases that we're supposed to beat. We're going to lose to the Monmouths like we're supposed to if we can start to keep it competitive against the teams that are more towards the Monmouth, I'll be happy with that. If we keep blowing out the teams like in North Texas, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, the Rutgers game, I, I think with Monmouth, we at least kept the rebounding relatively close with 43-44. to 44. By the Rutgers game, he definitely got destroyed. Right? Rutgers pretty much doubled the number of rebounds we had at 56, and we had 29. Can't and that like goes that. to that farm boy you were talking about, C.J. Geddes there. He just he, he pretty much came in at one point and it seemed unstoppable. Just, that was disgusting. But, yeah, they have, they had multiple giants on that team, and they were just killing us on the boards. I mean, even if we shot – we would have had to shoot the lights out to beat that team. Um, I mean, I, I think we're I think we're playing better the last two games, too. I mean, I think we definitely um, probably getting in the groove with the offense as well. But I don't know if we win those two games anyway. They're, I think we just lost to a team that was much bigger and 
like Marshall said, Monmouth is actually a pretty good team. I mean, they were hitting some tough shots against us in, even in that game. But hopefully we can steal some, like, going up against some of these uh, Philly schools. And yeah, I Rutgers mean, I think seems we're like it's better than the Rutgers game. Sorry, Rutgers seems like it's better than the Rutgers of past years, too. It's not like Eddie Jordan's Rutgers teams. This, they'll actually win some games in their conference this year. Yeah, I think I saw something about them just having a ton more size than they did any previous year, too. So uh, I don't know if that'll help them in the Big Ten, but um, probably will. If we're going to beat one of these um, big big schools, these uh, LaSalle's and St. Joe's, um, we're going to need Overton to do something. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, I hope we, he stays positive. Um, I, I can't imagine he's, he's this bad. Um, uh, he he's got all the tools from an athletic standpoint. Um, and he's the kind of guy that could probably, probably the only guy that can create his own shot and shoot over somebody. Um, and we're going to need him, uh, and we're going to, if we're going to beat somebody that's better than us. Yeah, yeah, I think you have a point there. I, I am surprised though at five foot eight. Is that what Kirkley is? That he's yeah. able to create as many shots as he can. I, there's been some times where he's able to run right into the middle. But he looks like, uh, you know, a tiny person in the land of giants and still somehow get that shot off without getting blocked. And I think his speed has something to do with his quickness is something to do with it, without a doubt. Well, who was that UMass guard that basically that was his MO? He was like five eight. Chaz just Crawford, like a speed ball. Or Chet, yeah. Chaz Williams. Chaz Williams. He's similar to him. Uh, maybe not that fast, but he's pretty fast. Um, I'm surprised with how well Kirk Lee is shooting. He's shooting so well. Um, you know, he's hitting those little, those little runners in the lane, the step back twos. He's hitting the threes. Um, you know, and he's making great passes. Playing good defense. Yeah, I mean he's been um, he's been unbelievable so far. I mean he makes a couple of freshman mistakes here and there, but he's been pretty much unbelievable. Like you said, I mean he's far exceeded any expectations I think any of us could have had for a freshman point guard coming in. We'll see if he sustains it over the course of the year. Yeah, and that's why I'm okay with him with uh, Spiker keeping him on the bench at certain points in that home game, even when it was still uh, up in the air. Uh, I think I said it to you guys during the game. Like, you don't want a kid like that burning out by middle of January. Not like we're going to need him in the postseason. I don't think any of us are thinking a long tournament run, but you just want to see him be able to sustain whatever he does over the course of an entire season, especially as a freshman. He even had 17 against Monmouth. Looking at that box mm-hmm. score. Yeah, I mean, he pretty much, I mean, Justin Robinson is a, like, a really talented guard for Monmouth, and he pretty much went toe to toe with him. That kid's, I think, a senior. So, uh, one thing I've noticed this year so far, or last year at least, Rodney Williams, every time he'd come in, he'd get in foul trouble about in like two minutes and be on the bench, right? This year so far under Zach Spiker's, I guess, uh, defensive scheme, he seems to have a lot less trouble at least get getting in foul trouble. Uh, you think that's more with the fact that we're like mixing it up a lot with the, the type of defense we're playing. We're not consistently just playing our classic go-to man defense. Uh, we're actually going to uh, playing a 2-3 zone. And at one point, I thought of the Hartford game, you were playing a 3-2 zone. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, do you guys think something uh, has to do with that? Or do you think it's just uh, Rodney progressing in his reads on how to play better D? That's a huge part of it. I mean, how many times... 
not just Rodney, but big men in general over the past five years. And I, I don't want to define Spiker by always comparing him to Bruiser, but that's what we're going to have to do this year because it's what we're used to. But how many times were big men getting fouls their first or second early in the game, 25 feet from the basket because Bruiser's offense or defense would bring the big men or the, the, the forwards out to guard on the perimeter for some reason. The switch and on that screen. Remember we used to always, Remember that switch on the screen that would drive us all crazy on that bruiser man-to-man, like way? It was a moving screen every time almost, wasn't it? Like... Yeah, Frank Elgar was like notorious for picking that up. Yeah, and he'd just guard the point guard for like five seconds and then run back to his man, and half the time mm-hmm. it would be a foul. I, it's, it's 100% a change because of the spiker scheme. I'm convinced of that. I, I mean, I don't Rodney Williams is great. You know, he's a senior. You know, you know he's playing great. This is like a, this is definitely Spiker, or at least the change in change of philosophy. I think also sometimes I've noticed that they they're sometimes sticking like the other forward, whoever that is, Austin Williams or Tyshawn Miles, kind of on their bigger guy who might be posting up, trying to I think keep Rodney out of foul trouble, because um, he's so much more valuable than any of the other forwards on the on the floor. I mean he's the only guy who can score. So I think you, it's I think you're all right that it's Spiker's specific coaching that's keeping him out of foul trouble. I was pleasantly surprised to see Austin Williams actually score and have some moves the last game. So let's talk about Spiker suits. I don't think I'm ready for Spiker suits quite yet. I was going to talk a little bit about uh, how Sammy Mohique has been playing so far this year. I think he's a classic example of a player that uh, could have ended up being the next Freddie Wilson that... Uh, under this new system seems to be kind of flourishing. Is he second in line for rebounding behind Rodney, maybe? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one thing he's been doing pretty quietly this year so far, other than, not, you know, other than contributing some points, of course, and shooting pretty decently from the outside, is uh, actually getting some boards. And that's uh, been ex- very helpful for us because, like, yeah, one thing we know is we got out-rebounded pretty badly last year, but Sammy's been flying high, and he's seen kind of sometimes come flying from the top of the top of the key and get the ball for on rebounds, both offensively and defensively. So I think that's been a wonderful new development that I didn't expect for this year. He's been like a great glue guy. Like he's coming in, he's rebounding, he's hitting open threes. I mean he's not gonna give you much like driving the ball, but as far as like hitting open shots and rebounding, he's doing great on that. Yeah. And especially when you figure the fact that he was uh set to transfer and then ended up returning. That's right. Well, now, was he actually, did he have any school specifically that he was trying to transfer out to, or was it just? I think just as soon as the coaching change came in, um, he, he had some, players. from what I heard, he had some people, like, talking to him, telling him maybe he should leave. And then I guess he gets to know Spiker, and, like, he kept, like, working him out in the gym and stuff, even though he thought he was going to leave, and eventually turned him around. I mean, that says a lot about Spiker, and Sammy, for that matter. Definitely. Now, so far this year, I guess Rodney Williams has probably been has been our top scorer, right? I think he's been, mm-hmm. the uh, lead person behind him is Kirk Lee. But do you think Rodney would be scoring this many points under last year if he was able to stay in the game? Assuming he was able to stay in the game, which he struggled with, would we have seen more of this, the score from Rodney? No. <laughs> I think a lot of it. I mean, he could, he'd probably be putting out maybe 14 points a game, but I mean, the amount of dunks he's getting and open looks, 
Uh, not when he's being double teamed or I think what puts him up at as high as he's getting. Um, I mean, to me, like, I think of like our talented post players. Like, he doesn't have as many moves as Frank or, you know, or Sammy. Uh, yeah, like, I don't think he's as talented in the post as those guys, but I think with the new offense, I mean, he just, he's getting a bunch of open looks. Um, he's doing what he does under there. Um, and it's, I think it's resulted in him scoring 18 and a half a game. I mean, that's, I mean, that's more than Frank. That's more than any of our big men have averaged. Yeah. And since it, I've been here. And it is refreshing to see your big man, uh, not just consistently having to do the bump, bump, like, and lay upward, move towards the basket, right? Like, I think that's what, uh, now Brooks, Sean Brooks was excellent at that. Elgar was very great at that. And typically we've been used to big men that, have perfected that, and it did not seem like Rodney was going to be able to perfect that. He's got that hook that he does a little bit, which I'm, I, it scares me every time I see it go up because it's been pretty inconsistent. But him not have always having to, I guess, go have to go to that, have other options sometimes where he literally can just, he gets an open look to the basket because of the amount of ball movement we've been doing. It's uh, pretty refreshing that our big man doesn't have to just result to that shot, so... I think that's definitely helping Rodney. I forget which one of you said it uh, during the game, but uh, with Rodney taking some of those outside shots that he hasn't really been hitting, but um, I think, uh, Leon, it might have been you saying, like, maybe Spiker's having them run this offense so that the rest of the players get used to that being an asset of the game um, that Spiker wants out of his big men. You said that, Nick? Yeah, like, I think it's like, He's he's getting the um, offense installed, um, and he, you know more for he, that. This is his offense. You know he's using Bruce's players, obviously for the most part. You know we're recruiting a six eight guy. I think Bill, you're telling me that can has an outside game too. So we're gonna. I think the guys we bring in here are gonna be able to hit that shot. So yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna bring up. This Jarvis Dold guy. Um, Seen, I've, I've watched a clip of him, and granted, it was against guys with the talent of me and the height of you guys. Um, but he was hitting outside shots, um, and he's like you said, a six foot eight guy. So if that's the type of player that Spiker's going to get, then our offense is going to suit that. Yeah, I, pr- I pretty much scoured the internet too for uh, clips of him, Marshall. I couldn't find any full games, but I saw a lot of. Um, there was actually a decent amount of highlights on on this one site I found. And he essentially is the same thing. The kid can run the floor. He handles the ball a little bit. Um, he can shoot. I think he's a decent enough athlete. Like, I don't think he's like Frank, but um, he's, he's good enough. Uh, and you're right. Like, that's more, I think, what Spiker's looking for in the system. Like, he's not looking for um, the bruiser-style big man where you just dish it inside and uh, and he has to go to work in the post trying to make something happen. I think he's looking for more. You know, running and getting up the mm-hmm. floor and being able to open things up with shooting a little bit. And that seems to be what this kid has. A Joel Embiid type, if you will. One of the articles I was reading about him, um, the uh, the fact that Kirk Lee's from Baltimore uh, had Jarvis interested and the fact that uh, he knew Damian Lee from the Baltimore area uh, and the fact that he played at Drexel um, were, were things that he commented in that article. So it's not like he's just Picking Drexel for for one random reason or another, like it being his only offer or anything, like he actually is done. Yeah, I think he also in that same article, Marshall. I think it also said he trains with the same guy that Damien trains with down there. So I mean, there's definitely a connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some overlap in the school exposure to our school at least. That's good news. 
He plays at uh, this Mount Zion prep, and they play up here uh, in Jersey and around a couple times. So I'll probably try to go see him at some point and see what he can do in an actual game. Because it's, like Marshall said, it's hard to tell in some of these highlights. I'm trying to tell what he can actually uh, bring to the table. Kind of like when us when we play at Union City, <laughs> we look real good. Yes, just like that. We, if you have a highlight reel of uh, of us playing in, uh, in Union City, Nick, you should definitely put that on the, the show notes here. For everyone to see. <laughs> now, I know we're beaming from the last two, I guess, W's where we uh, pre-handedly beat Hartford and North Texas. Uh, is there anything from uh, that that you think we should uh, need to improve on, I guess? Is it that under the Spikers offense, you haven't been impressed by? Foul shooting. Yeah, I don't think it's that bad. Ronnie went six for six. I knew that. Mm, I didn't watch most of the North Texas game. I was thinking... I, I felt like in the home game, which is the only one that I really watched all of, um, I thought we, I thought our guards were a little uh, below what I would expect. Martin's foul shooting is baffling me this year because <laughs> it does not look like from a form standpoint it's gotten any better. He's still going through the motions of bending his knee, coming back up, and then he just flicks his wrist. But this year it's going in, so mm-hmm. I cannot complain even though it looks absolutely like it should. I think defensive rebounding. Defensive rebounding for me is somewhere I think it's going to be a weakness all year and could we can really get exploited yeah, on. Yeah, I think rebounding and defense in general. Like I think the defense has been okay here and there. But, I mean, I think that this is one point where Bruiser's defense was usually better, maybe not the last couple of years. But um, these guys, I don't think they're not closing out to me as quickly as they can on some of these shots. Uh, could be because we're playing zone sometimes, but uh, I think teams are getting a few more open looks than they might have uh, in previous years, at least under a good bruiser defense. Yeah, I agree with that. John Moran is good coming in and helping us when Kirk needs a Kirk Lee superstar needs a break, but he, he's gotten toasted at least three times. He got toasted one time bad in North Texas, I think. Um. So, yeah, I would agree with Phil. I think the things to watch are defense and rebounding. So, looking ahead, uh, we have Niagara tomorrow. Uh, that's November 23rd at 7 p.m. And, you know, one thing I've been surprised by so far this year, all four games we've been able to watch pretty easily. Uh, the uh, I, I I don't know about the Niagara game because I think, that, what are they, the MAC conference? I don't know if they have a feed or anything like that. But so far... We haven't had an issue with finding a feat for any of the games that we've been able to watch it. So uh, we've been pretty fortunate. So tomorrow we have Niagara, the Sunday we have LaSalle, and then we have Lafayette and High Point. So I guess it's time for that predictions that we usually do. Uh, let's start with you this time, Marshall. Like the last time we went with Nick and Bill and we gave them the optimistic route. So I'm going to say two and two. I think we beat Niagara. Uh, I wa- I really want us to beat LaSalle. Any any if we go one and three and the only win over that stretch is LaSalle, I'll be happy just because I like beating the Philly schools. Um, well, I won't be happy, but I'd be okay with that being the win. Um, but no, I think we beat Niagara. I unfortunately think we lose to LaSalle, uh, and then I think we split the the remaining two. Uh, I would. I'm gonna be a little more optimistic. I say we go. Whoa, optimistic! I know. I know. It's not my strong suit. The usual pessimist. <laughs> I like to think of myself as a realist. Uh, 
the I think I'm gonna go three and one. Uh, I think Niagara's beatable. Uh, as his high point, and I think we between Lafayette and LaSalle, I think we steal one. I am gonna go two and two. Sticking with the two and two that got you the got you the first round. Three road games, you know, I can't say us I can't see us winning all three of those. I see us losing that one. I don't think we're quite ready for LaSalle yet, although I'd love to be proved wrong. I think we need Overton. If Overton shows up, we'll go three and one. I mean for me I'd uh realistically I wanna say two and two, but I think I'm gonna go three and one. I'm pretty encouraged over the last two games. I know the town, the uh, competition wasn't that high, but this is a good year for Bill. He's got Drexel actually two and two <laughs> after the four games. The the Raiders are eight. What is it? Eight and two. Raiders are eight and two. They're the number one seed in the AFC. Can you believe that? They'll blow it. It's been a vote of comments there. It's been 15 years. They've been terrible. So no, I'm happy. I mean, the, the and plus the Drexel has been looking good the last two games. Um, I think if we play the same level that we did. We should win three of those games, um, but who knows? I mean, we got the freshman point guard. I don't know if Kirk Lee can keep that up. I mean, I think he will, but um, if we play like we did, I think we'll get three wins. So I'll go three and one. How about me and Marshall being the pessimist here? All right, we get to the suit update yet? Are we at that part, or <laughs> we got a couple more topics? No, man. Well, this, this is all t- suit talk. Go for it. Have, have you come up with a theme music for this segment yet? <laughs> I think you need to. We definitely need it. You need to like hunt something online. Music. It'll play before this yeah. segment every time, and then you can you and Marshall can discuss discuss the suits. So the last two suits, um, I think he had a, a gray suit on at North Texas. Um, it looked off the rack though. You know, seeing some um, looked a little long in the pant leg. Uh, the seams didn't look too tight. Um, you know, I I would expect maybe because he was traveling the long distance, you know, he didn't want to get you know his, his finely tailored suits all rolled up in in the suitcase. Um, you know, uh, it wasn't it wasn't that sharp one that he was wearing in the Hartford game, which was which is definitely a custom suit and definitely was way better than the hobo garbage bag suit that he wore for the uh, uh, Raleigh Massimino game. But um, you know, a little bit better. So I'll give him like. I'll give him a B minus on um on the last round of suits. Um Marshall, I don't know what your thoughts are. I am not even gonna ask the other two Cretans about their opinion. What are your thoughts? My only thoughts are uh you left me hanging on wearing suits ourselves to the home opener. Oh, yeah. Um how about um do you wanna do uh LaSalle? Are you around for LaSalle? I'll be I'll be at LaSalle. Uh I don't know. I, I really wanted to do it for a home opener. I, I'm I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of low key pissed at you right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna blame Bill for that because uh, we got a late start and I couldn't. But uh, you know, maybe we'll do LaSalle. I don't know. All right, TBD. Be on the lookout for us, Dragon Cast listeners. So the suit update just included one suit update. <laughs> From the North Texas game. I just want to point that out. I think this, this segment's going to lose steam as we go along here. The Spiker's going to be wearing the same suits. There was, I, I talked about there was a custom. He had a nice suit on at the Hartford game. We all commented on it. It was a very nice suit, I believe. And then, you know, we go to North Texas, and he goes back to off the rack. 
Well, I mean, the, the guy just the guy just get like his first couple paychecks here, man. He can't just go out and buy a whole new rack of suits. He's got one nice one, and he's got the old suits that he has that are that he picked up or whatever. I still can't get over that like Salvation Army crap that he wore to the first game. I mean, that was awful. That, he was swimming that in was that Pat suit. Kennedy shit. <laughs> Uh, I I think he has. I I agree with Bill. Though. I think it's a rotation issue. You know, you can you have so many good suits, and eventually you're gonna rotate back to the Pat Kennedy suit. Yeah, this this so. man has a basketball team to coach. You can't you can't spend all day in a Taylor's uh, store over here just getting suited up, man. He looks about the same size as Bruiser. Didn't Bruiser leave any like suits behind before he left? <laughs> Bruiser took every single one of those suits, man. He's not gonna get fired and leave a guy behind a couple great suits for the next guy. I don't know, the guy had like 400 suits at a certain point. You can't keep track of all of them. Remember when Bill got real mad, Leon, when we talked about how custom suits will never go out of style? And Bill was adamant about it was going to go out of style and to the point that he was very upset with us. Yeah, I don't think Bill was necessarily saying that custom suits was going to go out of style. I think he was saying that the specific styling of today, which is a little more uh, oh. tighter fitting, would go away. Or just a general style, like like your floodwater pants that you've got going on with that blue suit. <laughs> like I don't know how I don't know how cool that's going to be in like another year or two. So well, they're just going to be capris at some. Point. Yeah, so wear it while you can. Yeah. But the good news is, is when you get older, you might shrink a little bit and fit back into that suit. So <laughs> that's still cool. As Marshall said, he was disappointed I didn't wear it. Well, so you guys are both wearing suits in the LaSalle game, and this is going to be the time what? that it actually happens. I'm not going to wear it. DVD. Oh, come on. <laughs> He's already backed out of it. No, I'm just thinking about it now. Like, we'll just, I don't want to make promises. This is going to be Thanksgiving. I'm not taking a suit home. I'm coming right from Thanksgiving in this game. Let's, uh, let's, let's St. Joe's. We'll do suits to St. Joe's. How about I'm that? not going to be at St. Joe's. I'm giving you my ticket. Oh, yeah, that's right. All right, TBD. But anyways, we'll still talk about spiker suits, so that's fine. All right, more important than suits, can we give a shout-out to the women's team for beating number 11 Syracuse uh, with eight seconds left? Meg Creighton drains a three to take us from down two to up one, and then they held on to win it. That's arguably the biggest home win of either Drexel team in the last 10 years. Word. Yeah, I saw that replay. It looked awesome. Congrats to the women. Unbelievable. That's got to be the most highly ranked team that, to lose the DAC. I can't remember team. I know the women beat number 25 JMU a couple years ago. And one of the, one of this, uh, I think it was uh, the year that the girls won the WNIT. They had beat Delaware, I think, at home in a close game. But Delaware wasn't ranked, but they were just the fighting Deladon. So that was a big win. But this is by far their biggest win. And I'm trying to think of comparing it to any win that the guys have had. Maybe the Creighton win on the road would have been bigger if that had been something that catapulted us into the tournament. But it ended up not. This one could actually be a resume win. I mean, girls are, I think, going to get some uh, top 25 votes this week. I mean, yeah, the guys had some big wins, but they essentially, I mean, I don't think any of the teams were, I don't know if they were ranked at the time. I mean, we did beat, like, Nova and Syracuse at one point. Was Louisville ranked when we beat them? I was there, but I forget if they were ranked. I think they were, like, 23, 22. Yeah, they might have been. And that was very unexpected, because I don't think we expected much out of that team at that point. Yeah, absolutely, that was a huge win, and I'm a. It's uh, kind of embarrassing that I don't know as much about the Drexel women's basketball team because, like the U.S. women's soccer team, I think they are better than the men's uh, basketball team. Or they've had a much 
better, at least, resume so far. So mm-hmm. congratulations, congratulations to them for that incredible win. The highlight, if, I'll definitely put it in the show notes, is it's typically a shot uh, I'm used to watching the men's team miss. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll be changed now. New era. Ah, we are filled with hope. <laughs> Think big, play fast. <laughs> um, shout out to the Dak Pack for filling the bleachers. Uh, I will say this might be a little controversial. I wish they got a little bit louder. Yeah, I think uh, the crowd was great, and I think they brought some energy. I think they there there wasn't like that much organization like as far as chanting and stuff. I didn't think, but it was great to see it packed over there. It was packed. I mean, the they whole had first home game, the atmosphere was. Incredible. Uh, we had a little gimmick going on for every time there was a free throw shot being taken. We had passing on something that looked like a gecko, uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what was going on over there. But uh, you know what? If that, I'm hoping it wasn't just a first game aberration. We, we had a win, so it should continue. But that was a very, very pleasant surprise to see the that, that packed for the first game. I mean, you got to give you got to give credit to the Dak back credit and whoever's else is in that crew to really fill that up and get get kids excited about it. I mean, we, we're coming off. I know we got a new coach, but I mean, I don't know how um, knowledgeable like the freshmen are at the school, even about the about the program at that point. And we're coming off a six win season, so I mean, really amazing. Yeah, I really liked the uh, the team at the end of the game going up to uh, the baseline in front of the deck pack and applauding them for showing up. Hopefully that. Uh, that stays up and becomes a new uh, tradition. Thank you for listening to Dragon's Cast. You can follow us if you're interested on Twitter. Our handle is underscore Dragon's Cast. And feel free to message us with any topics or questions. Zip it up and zip it out.